All right, guys. Today I'm here with Chris George from Bedfordshire. Is that how you pronounce it? You can Bedford- say it like that. <laughs> Bedfordshire is the way we. Bedfordshire, use it. east yes. of England. East of England. Yeah, but just north of London, about uh, 25, 30 miles north of London. Miles, not kilometers. You've you've lost me already. Oh God. <laughs> but um, look, guys, it's eleven a.m. where Chris is, and it's. 8 p.m. here in Sydney. Uh, I'm glad we've managed to tee this up. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. That's all right, mate. No problem at all. Dude, uh, so peoples, I ran into Chris uh, through Gmail. I found a video uh, that a kid did. His name is Patrick Heaney. And uh, the kid's got one arm. And his video was him playing the Hotel California solo. Was it a lefty? Was he a lefty? Yeah, he is essentially. He's a lefty too. Yeah. I so mean, that, this is one of those things of, of, of doing, you know, starting this, you know, this YouTube channel thing. I, so I don't watch a lot of guitar videos, but right. very early on, I came across, you know, these recommended videos pop up. Yeah. And there was this, it was a, just a very close up shot of what I assume was a young guy playing, but he had like a prosthetic on his, because he was born with That's what I saw the thumbnail too. That's it. Yeah. It, it, it so was, just, it was I, um, suggested to me. Yeah. Right. So I just hit him mm. up. I, I saw an email. I, just, I had no idea where he came from or what country he lived in or whatever. And I said, um, look, I've just started this lefty guitar channel thing. And aside from the usual guitar demos, I'm having some, a lot of friends on who I've worked with musos and stuff, but you know, I'd love to have you on because he's got a story to tell. And he'd like been going viral with all these videos. Right. And he's just the sweetest dude. I mean, he's just the sweetest guy. And we had a lovely chat. I saw it. Time. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. And you know, it's nice to be able to do something, um, I think it was more of trying to be a little bit him trying to get across that he's an inspirational guy. You know, it's as simple as that really, because he's, you know, as well as the guitar side, whatever he's been thrown at in life, he's always taken head on and and it's not a disability essentially, is it? You know what I mean? When he, when he has an attitude like that. So yeah, he was great. It's very brave of him to release content, you know, like um, one of my best mates uh, has one arm and it took him a long time to, get used to seeing photos of him in the background being uploaded because I'm always uploading my stuff and there was an insensitivity on my end initially because I didn't know if I had to ask him permission if he was in the photo sure. you know but over time he he got he got more and more comfortable with it um so he you know he's I, obviously yeah. very brave this kid as well yeah and I think also I mean I'd like to think there's no uh can I swear on her of course man <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think there's no there's no souls or dads, you know but um you know I, I think he's he's got a lot of support from the people that watch his stuff which is even better obviously and that's yeah. what it's, i mean that's really what it's all about isn't it you know that's yeah, what yeah i'd yeah. rather see on youtube uh stuff like that than uh you know a bedroom guitarist telling me how i can make it in the music industry or whatever. but but dude, but dude, he's actually like he's really good too though. that's the thing like yes. i yes. have seen so many videos of guys who've got all these amazing guitars hanging up on their walls and as soon as you hear them play, it's like they haven't even learned to keep in time with the metronome yet or like <laughs> yeah. it's savagely bad. And again, they've got more followers than I have and they're getting great comments like, you know, awesome playing man or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer is, I mean- as a profession and I, I see that all the time on on the photography groups that I'm part of, like someone will upload a a phone photo of a car and everyone will comment, wow, that's an amazing photo. I'm like, why? 
Like, yes. I'd love to create a discussion around why do you think this is amazing? But then I don't want to come across as a d- either. So, no, I know. And that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, I never really watch a lot of YouTube, guitar related mm. YouTube mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. at all. But naturally, I've, you know, like I said, this whole thing with Patrick, things start coming up, uh, yep. you know, recommended for you when you're doing it. And it's just, I'm still baffled by the whole way it works, really, because like you say, there's people on there and you think, all right, and, but they're doing amazingly out of it. And then it all gets, re- the bit I really don't understand and the thing I really wanted to steer clear of mm-hmm. was there's always an essence of soul, soul selling on there in that yep. they use uh, clickbaity titles. The and titles, yep. Really stupid yep. thumbnails with pulling stupid faces and you know the titles yep. say, you won't believe what. And it's like, I've even seen now, and I still see now, credible people who can mm-hmm. play and who have a good reputation and have been on there a long time and have gazillions of followers following that path and i think well why are you doing it are you only yeah. doing it because all the other kids and whatever are doing it to get attention you don't have to do it that's like well we, when I, you straight up ask them yeah, well, when you straight well, up ask them, they say, oh, because I have to, because it's the algorithm, because they, they yeah. need to make money off this thing. So Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's what mm. I'm saying. That's the bit where, you know, I, I certainly don't plan on uh, being known as a YouTuber. It's really been something to fill my time uh, this yep. year in particular. Um, yep. And I just try and make it a bit more honest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, which, which you know, sadly, that, that I mean, this is a great discussion to have because... I think it's the way I've always kept it too. And if anything, you get trolled a little bit for being too honest, you know, because when you're vulnerable, some people can't think that that's a cool thing for you to do because it's not the manly thing to do or it's not the what the cool kids are doing, you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, so it, you, you do put yourself on the line a little bit more by being honest, but it's, yeah. the, it's the feedback that you get. Like I think when I reached out to you, I sent you an email that was this long, which is like way too long, you, did. you know, like I didn't, I didn't no, want to freak fine, you. Man. But it's just one of those things. It's just, it's like I could have been like everybody else and just clicked on the like button or I could have felt generous, which some kids must feel when they hit the subscribe button. But I'm right. like, I'm pretty old school, right? So I'm going to f- send this guy an email, you know, yeah, like and make shit happen it's kind of like you know it's it it, it's i think people have forgotten that it's like people maybe feel like they're doing the work just by clicking the like button you know yeah which is obviously fine and you know it's quite nice i suppose because i think i was probably throwing myself out there and and bracing myself for all sorts of negative comments and you know i i'm not i'm not really a newcomer to it which is a bizarre thing because i did all the online demos for Marshall for years and very, very early on a lot of that stuff. But what you were saying about the whole thing of reaching out to people was again, exactly what happened with Patrick that he'd been Mm. reported on in various news outlets and media and the guitar media and stuff like that had, Mm -hmm. had said about, you know, and that's why his videos were going crazy. But when I said to him, has anyone actually reached out in person, you know, like I am today to interview you, to have a chat about your, how you've got there. He was like, no, you're the first person. I'm like, isn't that crazy? Isn't it? And that's the baffling thing. They wouldn't even, 
it's almost a sense of if you if you're posting a story about someone who has gone viral why don't you just dig the surface a little deeper to find out about the person and it doesn't have to be an hour-long chat like i had with him or that right. we're probably going to have now just mm-hmm. get a bit of in- information on the on the person themselves you know it's, it's, it's because weird... it's because they're not real that's the thing like they're the, you yeah. know they don't want to lose their job so they're sitting there for hours a day looking for something that is uh the algorithm is spitting out so that they can cash in on the algorithm and um you know everyone's talking about this so we better release a a a feature on that and hashtag the right thing so that we get a little bit of traffic yeah exactly it's really sad like I, i think some some guitarists have gone so far on youtube that i saw a guy's video the other day that was um the top 10 most overrated guitar players Right, and, th- and this guy, like, I couldn't help myself. I had to dig through all his videos and watch him play to s- judge judge for myself whether he's a good player sure. or not. And he yeah. wasn't a great player, but he's sitting right. there saying, um, you know, Steve Vai is overrated, or um, uh, who, who's that? Who's that guy that you played with, the blues guy, Joe Joe Bonamassa? Joe Bonamassa. Right, like I've only just discovered him this year, and right. I am incredible. so enjoying all the tangents of like Sam Fish and um, just all the people that he interviews. I am now checking out, and it's opening yeah. me up to a whole world of awesome blues players and the the cruises that he does on these boats and has all these amazing blues players on the boat. And sure, you know, just to hear this guy's video just paying out Joe and paying out all these people for being what he considered overrated. I'm like, wow, he's got millions of views and comments and I don't know, like he has to live with that. And that's the thing. I, yeah. And it's down to, again, that whole thing of selling your soul for clicks and likes. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, the the first thing that baffled me about YouTube really woke me up about YouTube many years ago was when the negative comments started coming in, not particularly right. towards me, but when I started seeing guitarists, badmouth guitarists, I thought yep. that's the unwritten rule in any, you yep. know, in the industry, you never ever say that you, we're always a supportive bunch. And I think at that time there was a great divide in that there was no sense of community anymore in terms of playing the guitar. It's like, hang on, we're all supposed to be looking out for each other because we've all followed the same path. We've all learned those first open position chords and gone on from there. Why on earth would you badmouth another person for doing it? It's not professional. It's mm. not uh, nice, you know, and you're just coming across as, you know, you, you see making comments online, but mm. you're making a comment and you play the guitar. You sh- there's no way you should, sorry, my language. Yeah, no, there's no, yeah, no totally. way, there's no way you should be, if you ever wanted to make anything of this, I'm not even talking about profession, but if you just even want to play yeah. in a band, why would you start bad mouthing other guitarists? And now, like you say, it's full of that people's yeah. opinions of who they think are overrated and who, and you know, why so-and-so sucks at playing guitar. It's like, come on, you have no basis to be saying any of this business. It's, you know it's, what I mean? it's the internet though, right? Like if you really, if, yes. if we boil it down, like we, you know, used to hand in our um, demo tapes to Heavy Metal Magazine and, yeah. You know, we used to write them letters and hope that our letter sure. would get published in the first few pages. And yeah. um, I don't think uh, feed. I don't think anyone could have a voice back then. I think it was, you had to really work for it. You know, you had to. Yeah, it was really grassroots. And I think uh, it's gotten to a point now where 
I suppose anyone of any age or any level of experience can have a voice. And I think the rating system of if someone leaves a negative comment underneath your video and it happens to be in that sort of twisted, funny, weird humor that they do, the trolls do it in to, yeah. to gather more likes, then all the other trolls end up liking the most trolly yeah. comments. Yeah, exactly. And then they, yeah. they feel, they feel, they must feel some sort of like how we feel when someone gives us good feedback. Sure. A, troll, a troll must feel a similar feeling for leaving a mm. negative comment that gets liked by yeah, the trolls. Of which is a really <laughs> weird way of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, this is what you're signing up for. This is what I find fascinating because I've been around since the beginning of the internet. I've seen this happen over the years. So sure. you're not new to it, but I think where you were before with like, it's funny because I'm reverse engineering you in some ways because I found your yeah. latest stuff, right? With the lefty right. channel. But then the more I dig, I find stuff like I found some footage of you on Anderton's channel. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they're like huge. And I've been like, so, you know, when you reached back and said that um, you were called to do this podcast, I went, I better go and research this guy. <laughs> Holy <laughs> sh**, man, you're a beast. Like you are, you're a monster. And it's like, you almost remind me of that cool film that came out like 20 years ago, something like it was called uh, Almost Famous. It's like, yeah, I, I almost think like that. When I see your stuff, I'm like, holy hell like you play like how every kid that picks up a guitar wants to play like <laughs> like you're one of those players that if you just picked up a guitar and you watched you play like you just shredding away like people kids would be like i want to play like that one day you know so maybe who knows i mean I, that's very uh that's very kind of you thank you no, dude, but it's like it's it, it must be a nice thing to be at the level that you're at, right? Because you know, we even as kids, like I, I always dreamed of having a Marshall stack after seeing, you know, Guns N' Roses live, you see all the Marshall stacks and like for you to work with Marshall for twenty years, right? Like yes. actually be like a brand ambassador for one of the you know, one of the it's arguable whether they're the best amp in the world, but they're one of the coolest like people yeah, know definitely. that logo yeah uh, yeah it's a very iconic brand and it was never really mm. uh it was never really something i ever took for granted i was always i only ever thought it'd last a few months because i was very young when they when they got me on board to do some clinics for them in the mm -hmm. which would have been 1998 i think um yeah nice but i the thing is i'd been i had been i'd grown up see being a fan of theirs and i would go to yeah. the london guitar show every year and i would always go and meet jim and i would get a signed poster and that would be on my wall and then bizarrely you know a bizarre twist of fate i would end up being on the other side of the fence and being the demo guy for them you know um succeeding people that i'd been watching when i was younger you know so it was a really strange thing and and like i said it was always i thought well this would be great if it lasts six months uh, yeah but it just kept 20 years kept, yeah and it was uh yeah it's it was nearly 20 years but it was yeah in the last sort of four or five years i went on pretty much full fully on board with them you know on product and stuff like that um working on all the new product and it was uh it was great times but so many memories and um yeah, yeah i knew jim obviously very well and and i was 17 when i when i first started doing the shows for them and, and that's um, so was, young man 
Like that is so like like uh, yeah. like if you you know you've got three kids and we might get into that yes. uh, topic a little later. But like I think one of your kids is uh, like a teenager. But you know, seventeen. Like I know I know people that are seventeen. I know family and like friends that are that age and they've got so much weight on their shoulders. It's, it seems yeah. it seems like back when we were 17, uh, you just had to get... We were just so obsessive compulsive about something. And that's, yeah. that's how we got good at stuff. Like you got good at it because you couldn't wait to get home from school to skate all day or sure. play the guitar all day or... Um, that obsession seemed to always be there quite naturally. Whereas now I think the young people that I speak to, they're so beaten down that they don't know what they're good at. And I think maybe instead of watching a video of you playing and thinking that's inspirational, maybe they're like, oh, I might as well just give up. And I see a lot of that in the comments. I'd be like, oh, I might as well just sell all my guitars. Yeah, and you know what? Through all the through all the live clinics I ever did with Marshall, which was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them, I would always mm. get some of that. And people come up mm. saying, well... Even when you, were se- I, when you were 17? Yeah, even like when even I was when young. Like even when you were yeah, young? Even, yeah. Even in the early years. But I, I would always say to them, that's not what it's about. You know, mm. just because I play the way I do doesn't mean that you should aim to play exactly like just go and be your own person because essentially i think that's the mistake a lot of people make is they try and be something they're not essentially if you follow your own path you'll you'll end up being your own player your own style your own person you know but that's yeah that's always quite a difficult one for me knowing that uh you don't want to have a negative connotation you always want to try and inspire people i think when you do things yeah that's Um, like a true artist right like you you know you're obviously a true artist. So I think that is, that is where it's at. It's like, um, like me personally, I, uh, had to have that epiphany moment like 20, 20 years ago. So it's something where I'm like, Oh, f- what am I on the planet for? And when I yeah. finally figured out that I'm on the planet to, I'm happy with inspiring others. And that's, that's it. That I'm totally cool with that. If that's the yeah. only reason why I'm on the planet, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. So I yes. think, um, that is a good mindset to have. It's not like you're, um, you know, even when you see um, Eric Gales and um, like Joe Bonamassa doing a guitar solo and people in the comments are like, oh, this person won or whatever. I'm like, it, it's not a competition. It's not a guitar war. Mm. It's a conversation. It's like a, it's you, exactly you know, that. it's how you look at it, right? Of so, course, there, you know, there's no doubt about it, but that would, you know, not once did I ever, uh, particularly in my younger years, not once did I ever listen to my idols like Slash or Zach Wilde or mm. Joe Perry or <clears throat> Angus Young and think, oh, I'm just going to give up. It was just, it was so inspirational. I, it just yep. made me want to play more and more and just improve so much, you know. And mm. there's, I still watch Zach and I still think, I can't play like that. I still can't play like that. But it still, it doesn't make me want to give up now. It's Not still inspiring. Yeah. You know? Dude, I, we, on, on Slash, I, I read that that Slash is one of you. And so I really want to talk about Slash for a second because... When people ask me who my guitar hero is, I always say Slash, always. Yes. And yeah. I don't listen to, like, for a long time, I listened to so much electronic music. I got into the whole ecstasy and clubbing scene and all that. Shit. And rock and roll right. kind of disappeared and died for me for for many years. But um, But I still always say Slash because his guitar solos are more 
addictive to me than Axel's vocal melodies. Like they're they're I, so melodic that I can yes. sing his solos in my head, yes. and I and I found exactly. that in high school. And um, and I remember um, first time I heard him, my relos in Indonesia sent me um a a, a big plastic bag full of cassette tapes, and they're all bootlegs because that's what they were doing in Indonesia. They just sent me some. And one of them was um, Appetite for Destruction. This was like 88, right? Or 89 right. or something. And um, I put it on, wasn't thinking much of it. And then um, It's So Easy came on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Axel just goes, why don't you just... And I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. what the f*** is this? It yeah. was just so... <clears throat> for a kid to hear that, like, I was so hooked on it because there was nothing like it. Like, at the time, there was your Banana Ramas and Boy George and Millie Vanillies and... But also, they were so different from that whole LA scene as well. They were mm. completely different from bands like Poison or... Right, there was Poison, that yeah. Glam. That was mm. what was Motley Crue. Mm. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with Motley Crue, but right. I was... The weird thing for me was I was a bit of a latecomer to... Not really a mm. latecomer, but uh, I was... when What did Appetite come out in 88? 88. So yeah. I was seven. So I, I, that was about the time I started playing the guitar, but with no inspiration, I just That's wanted so to play young. the guitar. So mm. it was... Around 92, I would say, 91, 92, I started, I was a little bit older, so I was probably 10 or 11, started reading about them in the mags, started mm -hmm. seeing things. It's about the time the Use Your Illusion albums came out. And right. then in the UK, they, they televised uh, a concert uh, of Guns N' Roses from Paris. This was 92. And uh, I remember my dad recording it for me, mm. and I watched it back, and it was almost the completely life-changing moment that oh my god this is <laughs> this is the the most unbelievable thing i've ever seen the most unbelievable front man i've ever seen the most yeah insanely good uh guitarist and but whole band yeah so then it was straight down the shop uh and my first first one i bought was use your illusion 2 wow. and then always the, the the opening of civil war when it first starts and you know even now and and then that just went on to you know inspirational and uh, I was just such a fanboy, so buying all the bootlegs. Uh, like when they when they released this, uh, they released an Appetite uh, box set year, last year or the year before, and it and that had Shadow of Your Love on there. But I already had that from bootlegs yeah. years and you years ago, and yeah. I think it was I think it was the B side on the single of November Rain, but I could be wrong, you know. So I had all the singles and all the bootlegs, everything, uh, mm. all the unofficial stuff, all the official stuff. And there used to be so many bootleg CDs and tapes yeah. back in the day, man. Yeah, Every and some were really was, hit and miss. I remember, I yeah, remember in badly before, recorded. Yeah, mm. and it was literally some of some of them are great. Some of them was just like mm. it's like a guy with a tape deck, and all you're hearing is crowd noise and the yeah. band off in the distance, you know. But I was. But if you're a fan, if you're a fan, you're a fan. You you lap it all up it because matter? when they slightly yeah. change something, you freak out and it's like holy shit, yes. that's, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, but that's yeah. I suppose the beauty of that now is when you see. Uh, a lot of the old stuff on on YouTube of the old uh, GNR live stuff from uh, from around that time, you know, the early nineties. For me, that was when they were absolutely oh, dude. It was magical, and they, they were. I mean, even the album art. Like I remembered um, as a kid going to the city every weekend because my parents had a, a a business in the city, so I'd always have to tag along with them on the weekend and um, go into the big smoke. You know, where everyone's 
everyone's uh, at lunchtime, just like crowds of people. And I started seeing this T-shirt on everybody. And it looks like, to me, I thought it was a skateboard truck. It looked like a skateboard truck because I was a skater. Right. Turns out it's two guns and it's the Guns N' Roses yeah. logo. I'm yeah, like, yeah. holy shit, everyone's wearing this fucking T-shirt. And then yeah. um, they were being sold because there was a concert coming out. They were coming out to Australia and they were being sold as the world's most dangerous band. Because sure. people died at one of their... People got crushed at one uh, of their concerts. Yeah, Donington, that's right. Yeah, in the 80s, yeah. Right. So, um, I just remember as well, like, there were a couple of, like, alpha male um, students in my high school. And uh, I was in, like, tech drawing class one day and one of them tapped me on the shoulder and, and said, oh, so you got, you got past Sweet Child of Mine yet, man? You know, like, as in, like... That's the that's the gay song, and you should get into the other songs. And I'm just like, man, like that song is amazing. Like, yeah, of course. Like, the, I remember I mean, the even only problem with that song, as as with any good song, is mm. that uh, as a fan, you just hear it all the time on the radio and everything like that, and you know that there's so many other great songs. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, everyone knows "Sweet Child of Mine," but oh, I don't know, "Rocket Queen" or anything. "Rocket Queen's album. amazing." Isn't it just so like for a kid though? It's just so much. It's like the album cover art had like sexual art in it on the inside, yeah. and the Rocket Queen had like a woman moaning in it. And man, That's it was right. overload for for me at that age. It was there was nothing like it. Sure. There was just it, it was just mind blowing and. Yeah. I don't know if there's been another band that's come along since. I mean, maybe maybe for me to get out of rock and roll, uh, The Prodigy, the first time I was at a mate's place in the city and his flatmate was blasting voodoo people and I had yeah, never yeah. heard anything like it in my life. I was yeah, like, that was what huge as well. the hell that. is that? Yeah. You know, and, and same with Chemical Brothers, I, I suppose, like Block Rock and Beats. And I started to hear some rock and roll in the in the electronic stuff and that probably sure. weaned me off but yeah. um uh, the prodigy were a funny one because they were really they they really were quite a crossover particularly mm. here like they would start appearing on like uh rock and metal bills at festivals and stuff exactly you know? right exactly and, um, yeah i always found that a really strange one because essentially it was awesome yeah dance act ultimately mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they would you know they would headline like i don't know donnington or not donnington yeah. maybe but you know, Reading and Leeds and all these things and all these sort of big rock shows and stuff. And then you see them in Krang magazine and all that. So yeah. well, they were very smart, I suppose, in that sense. Oh, dude, I, I remember seeing it. Like we, we have an event called The Big Day Out and it's all rock. And yeah. I really remember the first year where they had a one stage dedicated to electronic music. And just looking around, seeing metalheads and goths slowly start moving their bodies to electronic music. It was really fascinating because they, goths, you couldn't headbang to it, but sure. you, they started dancing to it, and it was really weird. It's like they're fencing. It's like they're they're fencing. It's really strange. But I I remember seeing it, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's part of the norm now, isn't it? If it's heavy, yeah. it's heavy. If it makes you That's feel, right. if it's raw, it's raw. But um, For back sure, on man. Slash, it's like I think. Um, when I was younger, I couldn't quite put my finger on it except for that every solo he did was just so memorable to me, note for note. I would, yes. you know, go home, catch the bus home and I'd have a 15-minute walk home and I could sing his solos in my head without yeah. music. And um, yeah. 
I was so into skating and I just remembered there were certain skaters that I liked. Like there's your Tony Hawks that can do your 720s and land perfectly and it, it looks robotic almost. Then you've yeah. got your skaters who are so sketchy that it looks like they're about to stack it, but somehow they land it. Yeah, and exactly. I've always thought I Slash that was, was that, that kind was of player. Exactly. And that was, I think, the, the bigger picture of that was the whole band was always like that. But he right. was, if you listen to him, you're exactly right. You just think it's just so, it's not, um, it's not uh, perfect. And none of it has to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, he has unbelievable tone mm, and he mm, has mm. the ability to uh, come up with unbelievable melody and phrasing. And that's what playing is all about. Yeah, it's got this looseness to it. Um, so loose. And, it, and it's not like you watch all these players again, you know, the YouTube players just just go running through scales up and down up and down, up and down there there's there's not that was listen man i can tell you firsthand that is no different from what was happening at the guitar shows in the mid 90s you know yeah. what i mean yet people yeah. have just they're just doing it online now yeah. and it's all so robotic and so mechanical that yeah. Uh, yeah that's a far cry from anything i'm into because of slash essentially yeah totally Awesome, man. Well, look, uh, let me let me see where this is going. So I have some notes, you know, like I thought it is like you mentioned in the email, like you're more than happy to let me drive. And uh, sure, why not? It's quite nice because I've been interviewing loads of friends uh, recently on my thing. And I, yeah, it's quite funny. The tables are turned today. <laughs> dude, dude, it's, that's the thing. Like I started watching your podcasts and then started watching them in a row, like literally one after the other. But like I said, when I started watching you actually playing your guitars, I'm like, holy f***, this guy's a beast, man. So <laughs> they're, they're completely separate things, you know what I mean? Like they're completely separate things. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tried to do. I mean, it really, after the year everyone's had, I, I really wanted just something to do this year. You know, it yeah. was really about having any type of routine and something just something to do but but so it's like I you said you know how to do it too because you had been doing workshops you you, you know yeah, like i, I suppose, think people yeah. who you, you're obviously comfortable sitting there talking for an hour like recording like a lot of people don't even have anything to say or maybe they're not confident enough to to put an opinion out there but you're quite happy to just talk and it's very easy to listen to you talk as well because i found a video with uh, you and your Les Paul. I've been looking at Les Pauls and I found right. that and I think it was one of your earlier ones where you actually it was explained. Big beard. <laughs> well, you were actually explaining that like, you know, it, it's weird times with COVID and stuff and you were... That was the thought first you'd video. Give it a go. Yeah. Um, and I think initially you did want to try to keep it all lefty content and obviously uh, you've had to at some point interview people who are not left-handed, which yes, is totally cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, the, that was the thing really, aside from the usual guitar-y stuff, uh, making it two, twofold so it would appeal to perhaps more people. You know, mm. there's a lot of, there's so, there's hundreds and hundreds of musicians in this world that nobody knows their names, but they've done amazing things. And yeah. I've worked with so many of these people. So I thought this would be a, a great, like the B side of doing the, the channel will be having them on for a chat. And again, it was really testing the water as was doing the actual, the format of the actual guitar uh, content ones. Right. Um, but it's really simple because I just talked to them about where they started and how they got to where they are now. You know, so a couple yeah. of the younger ones that have come on, 
you know, they've not been quite as long, but some of the older guys, like I had Tony Platt, who I worked with a few years ago, who was the engineer on, um, on, on Back in Black. And, and he's done some incredible things, you know, with Bob Marley and, and Led Zeppelin four, he was the engineer on. Um, and he just, he just had some incredible, incredible stories that he, he himself hadn't even told very many times, even yeah. down to how they recorded the bell at the beginning of Hell's Bells and really incredible stuff like that, you know, so it's given them really a platform to talk more than anything and just sort of tell their story. It's it's like it's uh, that's the way I look at it too. Like I've done so many podcasts with people that hardly get viewed, right? Maybe there's like 40, 50 views on them. But I'm just hoping that like some of the people in the 40 got the gold out of it. Like there's like little nuggets of gold yeah. in every podcast yeah. and y- y- it's like anything that's good in life. Like I think you need to put the work in. Like some people will comment on my on social media they're like, "Holy f- 2 hours long." You know, I can't, I can't, I've got ADHD. I can't do that. I'm like, well, right. how are you going to succeed in life? Like, I mean, you, you need to put some blood, sweat and tears in to find the good bits, right? You can't just be, of course, here, here's the one good bit for you. You know, I'm, I, I don't know. I just think that's the way it's going now. Um, but anyway, let, yeah. let, back, back to driving. So I, um, you, you gave me a link to your website and I checked out your website and okay. it's really fascinating because I, get from your website it's so guitar centric like your channel is you in yeah. my head are like obviously there are other things in life that you're really good at but what was nice about it was it was just the one thing and the one thing really well like i think a lot of people tend to pick up all these different things that they're slightly it's almost like Kylie Minogue right she can she's an all right dancer she's an all right singer she's an all right looker and you put it all together it's an amazing package so I think a, a yeah. lot of people are kind of doing that bitsy thing. But um, yeah. what I liked about your website was this is what I am. This is what I'm good at. And it was it had that humor as well. It was like, Chris who? Chris who? And it's like, exactly. and it, but it's literally like within, you know, as a web, I've been a web designer my whole life. So, you know, I don't know if you meant it or not, but what's nice about your website is it didn't take me more than a minute to understand what you are about there's yes, nothing convoluted that's, that's what I about tried it to do. right there you go dude and i think that's brilliant because i think most websites are so confusing that you you just close the window because yeah you, you can't find what you're looking for or like it's confusing yeah i mean i think you've got to be straight to the point really haven't you and you know ultimately people who are going there will know that you play the guitar and you just want to make it really brief not not necessarily brief but you just want to get the key points out of the way but also mm. this whole thing of you know i don't take myself seriously uh i don't have an ego and i, and I never have and and i think that might be a bit of a misconception particularly in my younger years when when i had all the hair and and stuff like that, you know, you look at a guy, any guy, and the amount of people that come up to and say, you're much nicer than I thought you'd be, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't. And I think with the current, you know, that current version of that website is is very, uh, I try and get that across in the in the bio bit. Like you say, it's called Chris Who, because yeah. uh, who I, and I think the opening gambit on that is, uh, you know, I was the biggest baby born at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital yeah. on New Year's Day. Yeah, it starts off really funny and intriguing straight go. away. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you just try and sort of give a bit of a best of, I think, rather than making it too meandering, you, you try and be uh, straight to the point. And, and I always feel, you know, like, you know, when you're trying to get across with people that you've had the, the privilege to work with or play with and you don't want it to sound like 
you know, like you're name, up your own name, ass and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, what do they call it? Name dropping, yeah. Name dropping, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I even put on there, I'll, I'll do the name drop here. You know what I mean? Here's a name drop. Yeah, dude, right dude. Now. I think everything was perfect. And even in your uh, frequently asked questions, you mentioned, uh, you know, for people to not have an ego. And, you know, that that's that's really nice. I think, like, I think there's a difference between attitude and ego, you know. I think ego can be healthy, but I think, yes. like, I think a lot of young people maybe put on an attitude because of their insecurities they put on put on the attitude but then you know maybe eventually when you start to actually get good at something it becomes attitude becomes confidence so yes of course and there's you you know know. there's no um there's no doubt that uh people some people have a natural shyness and I, i i know i did when i was was younger but things sort of change as you get older and you have more confidence but there's no doubt even if you look at someone like Kerry King, who, you know, you look at him and he's got this beard and he wears sunglasses and he's got his tattoos all over his head. He is the nicest guy in the world. You yeah. know, he's softly spoken. Hum, being humble is, is, is... Look, what, do you think then that, like, um, just going through your website, like, winning um, guitar magazines, young guitarist of the year at 16, right? Like, yes. Like, at 16, you're not really... I'm just speaking generally, but at 16, you're not really matured mentally yet to be really good at stepping outside of yourself and looking at the bigger picture, you know, because you're fucking 16, right? So do do you think that like part of why you're so humble and giving back to, you know, this nasty community that exists out there, the online community and stuff and taking a risk with it and all, but like, do you think part of it is because of all the success you've had? that has enabled uh, you to think, reflect well i don't know if you'd call it success but i just think you get to a point where uh you know i turned 40 at the beginning of this year which was another thing that wasn't really that well timed with everything that's been going on but you uh whether you I, you know i certainly don't feel like i'm 40 years old but i know that i've been on this earth for 40 years and I've it's been pretty playing, substantial isn't it right like I, 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 turned, I turned 46 for, this month so it's like there you, know. you go there you go so but and i'm sure you'll agree whatever you do you have this mindset of especially when at this point in time I've been playing the guitar for 33 years, yeah. uh, I sort of couldn't give a f- You know what I mean? If I'm going to be blatant yeah. about it, I don't really, I've done, I've been really lucky enough in my life to do so much stuff and push myself in various different areas in terms of music that I kind of feel I'm, I'm super happy in myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really feel like I've got uh a lot to prove you know which i think is sort of stems through to doing the youtube thing and that's the attitude i've had of not making it at all clickbaity and all of that you know exactly exactly look man i'm i'm super happy and and comfortable and, and i know i'm not zach wild and i know i'm not slash and i know i don't have their bank accounts either but look i'm i'm just i'm just cool i'm happy you know what i mean i love it man i no 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 but i love it though because obviously obviously you're the kind of person that places value well in my opinion anyway you play you place value in the right places you know like if someone's if someone's you know like i think someone who values more likes and stuff because of a clickbait title they might have their values skewed up i listen you know and that's the thing with youtube is that you know i'm i'm a i'm essentially a guitarist that's never other than obviously doing all the stuff for marshall on there which gained a lot of attention I, that's mm. never been my bag to do a youtube thing and that's why doing the the lefty guitar channel thing is not the chris george channel it's the lefty guitar channel because it's trying to put a sense of community about it and it's look it's not just open to left-handed people it's open to right-handed people at the same yep. time 
you know, but you're trying to, like I was saying earlier, just be a little bit more honest with everything. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to go selling my soul because why should I? Because, you know, I will at some point, hopefully this year, be back doing doing work and having gigs and doing whatever, you know. Yeah, it's and happening. I might have to, it's happening. Yeah. might have to park it and, and carry on. But what I'm trying to, you know, I'm sure it won't ever come across to, to people. But as I said earlier, there's real musicians out there who've been doing it a long time. Aside from me, like the people I've had on there, they're sure. the guys who do it. You know, it's not, and I can tell you now, none of us have ever looked at the YouTube uh, channel uh, being told how to get on in the music industry by you know some eighteen-year-old kid. <laughs> you know but what look, I mean? He's also got a list of overrated guitarists. <laughs> I think there's a difference, Blake. Like you're definitely you're definitely being honest on there, but you're also being like so humble that you're not like I, like I said when I saw your CV, it's beast, man. Like I'll I'll rattle a few more things. Like yeah, definitely the whole Marshall thing and working having a relationship with Marshall for 20 years like which is so substantial man like when I hear of 20 years in a job it's usually like for some telecom company or some corporate thing sure. that people hate yeah. for 20 years you know and yeah. they're doing it because they've got kids and they've got to put food on the table um, and then like your list of like played with Paul Gilbert Joe Bonamassa Ingve Malmsteen Joe Satriani like holy f like how has your head not exploded? You know, how is your, yeah, yeah. How, how are you not like full on rocking out with your c out and shoving it in people's faces <laughs> saying, you know, on your, on your banner on your YouTube saying like, I've played with Joe Satriani. Like it's just, it's, it's not just honest that you're doing, you're actually really, um, you're really just having a play with this medium and, and giving it a go and not, not trying to sell something from the outset to the masses, but like, hey, if people find it, you're cool with it kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's that's the other thing, you know, you you don't want to be preceded by any title or or because again in itself that becomes clickbaity, doesn't it? You know, if you put uh, There's a you know, there's a fine line, yeah. Well there, there's there's a line. Is, you know, mm. and, and also anything like playing with Joe Bonamassa was was just once. It happened once at Ronnie Scott's yep. in London. Uh, playing with Joe Satriani happened once at Wembley Arena in 2012, which ironically was the first venue I'd seen him play when I was a kid. That's um, awesome. Playing with Paul Gilbert uh, happened more than once, actually. It happened a few times at various guitar shows. He would, uh, Frankfurt Music Messi, he, he would have a spot in the Marshall booth and he would use me and, and my guys in the band as his backing band. And And let me tell you, man, there's no bigger learning experience because he does this thing where he throws it before anything happens. He, you know, he will start out by throwing a lick at you and then you'll throw something back. And when you're looking in the eyes of Paul Gilbert and he's throwing these licks at you, there is no greater learning experience than that. Let me Holy tell you. <laughs> but, but do you know what, what the mistake, like, people the mistake that, to just meet these people, let alone, I guess, play, yeah. you know, and then you your pants. Like most people would just shit their pants and not be able to, I guess so. And I think that at that moment, the, the biggest mistake a lot of people would make was, is to try and be Paul Gilbert, you know, and why would you try and be Paul Gilbert to Paul Gilbert when he's throwing Paul Gilbert licks at you? I just so don't just think you could function him. properly. Yeah, you just no. couldn't, you know, like, I mean, obviously you'd, obviously you've got this, it's not, you don't have the ego because it's not, you're not wearing it loudly, but the confidence you must have in your abilities and yourself it's like you could do a TED talk on that alone. Like you could do a an inspirational talk on that alone to guitarists who don't have that confidence. Because I think people who are egotistical probably 
wouldn't be able to talk about it and I think it would come out the wrong way and it would maybe intimidate like I, I, as an artist I've seen some of my hero artists say I was born with this intuition and stuff I'm like you you can't say that to someone who's learning because sure. then you're trying to say to them that they weren't born with it and they can't learn yeah, yeah, how yeah. to do that yeah. you know so uh, you that, know I think mm. I was just gonna say that gets back to what I was saying about kind of you know I'm, I'm happy in my own skin because I've yeah I've been, I've done all this stuff. I, I know, and there'll be people watching this who know me who won't know about this has happened because I don't broadcast it. Just because I don't broadcast it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But inside, I'm cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I've really yeah. had, especially the Marshall thing, gave me the opportunity to play and meet you know, some of my absolute so, idols yeah. and heroes, man. You know, That's it really awesome. did. You know, and that goes from the uh, first time I met Zach Wilde and he sort of, he held up his, he had his he had his bottle top guitar, the one that he used in Pride and Glory, and it was in the case. And I was like, "Can I touch it?" He was like, "Pick out the pajamas." Of course, I'm left. I'm left You're handed, lefty so it's no good too. To me. How annoying you is know? that? Uh, same thing with same thing with. Uh, I'm sure Joe Bonamassa did the same thing around that time that I played with him. He was like, "Oh, have a go on." You know, his his Les Paul, the one with the the two different volume and tone. The, the yeah, his baby. Yeah, um, yeah. He yeah, sold that. he sold that. I think he let go, let it go. I think, but yeah, right. Mm. But yeah, it, it you know it enabled me the uh, the chance to yeah meet and slash as well. All those times meet and slash was Holy just uh, yeah, man. it was incredible, really. You know, so and and that was it was a long time coming actually when I first because I had not met him obviously and been a fan since ten or eleven. And yeah. then it was at the, it was at one of the festivals here, which I'm probably going to say was in the mid two thousands. And then a friend yeah. a friend of ours who's a big friend, we both worked. Uh, he worked for Marshall for the for the USA. Nick Bocott. He was like come around the back and i was like this is it it's gonna actually happen and um yeah yeah and then it, and there he was in the velvet revolver dressing room and you know you got duff and matt saw him in the background and there he was in his top hat and i was like holy you know, shit. some of the some of the chats i've had with other people regard you know that was just a meeting thing but when you're playing with people you tend to obviously keep a professional head on but inside you're thinking holy shit, i can't believe holy this is happening shit. you know what i mean and yeah. then <clears throat> and then after that i met I sort of met Slash several times at various shows or he would be signing for Marshall and yeah, went out for, went out for lunch with him in Bletchley and Milton Keynes where Marshall was. That just sounds so surreal. Hey, I just went it for, the, the most surreal thing was, you know, other than, uh, other than Marshall, know. it was, they were on a day off of their Velvet Revolver tour. Him and Dave Kushner went to, came to the factory. We went out for lunch with them, a whole bunch of guys from Marshall and them. And Bletchley is like a really small town. Nothing goes on there. There's no rock and roll about it other than the fact that's where Marshall is. And uh, it was a small little Chinese restaurant and we all walked in and of course, you know, people at Bletchley wouldn't recognize, probably wouldn't recognize Slash and he was wearing like a beanie hat and whatever. But there was right. one guy at a table and he was just eating his soup or whatever. And he just looks up and sees Slash walking past. And he's like... <laughs> and like <laughs> that's gold. Yeah. Is, and then is just... There... Some... Sorry, go on. Is, it, is there a part of you that like uh, from being like guitar, getting guitarist of the year at 16, like, and obviously playing rock music, like that is your, that's your lane, right? Like you're, yes. I've watched enough videos of yours to know that this guy rocks out, right? So is there a part of you that wanted to be the rock star? I mean, yeah, you're, you, you're on stage. Yes, you're rocking. Yes, you're playing louder than everybody on the street, right? But like... Is there a part of you that did want to be like, obviously you've got the chops and obviously 
everything's been there for you, but you're not slash or you're not like no, no, of you, course, you, God you, no. you know. And, and, and I'm just curious because you're no, you've I was got always the, very. I mean, yeah, when you're younger, definitely. You know, my mm. plan was to leave school, uh, join Guns and Roses, and that you know that'd be my life set. But of course, as you as you start to leave school, you realize that's not going to happen. So, I was just more than happy to try and make some sort of living out of it. That's all I wanted right. to do, and if I could. And but even then, you know, I don't come from a musical family, don't come from a musical town or any of that business. I read that. And, yeah, you know, the it was like, how do I? How do I try and sort of get out of this and into something that I've no idea how to get into? You know, well, no you one had, had you had a band, right? You've got your own band, and I had, you... yeah, I had my own band. Really, that was fueled more in the sort of two thousands by by the by the Marshall shows. You know, I would take okay. out uh, you know two very good friends of mine at a, a you know. In fact, we spoke a couple of weeks ago for the first time in ages. But but that was that was the you know if you came to see any Marshall clinics in the sort of mid two thousands, that was us that you saw, and it was really nice again to be able to have the opportunity to do that. But mm. I really was I really always just been happy to, uh, you know. I've done a lot of gigs where I've just been the guitarist on the stage and there's been someone at the focal point in front of me. And that's really where I'm happiest. Doing the Marshall thing was funny because it was obviously me always in, in the limelight, doing the shows, doing the clinics, yep. blah, blah, blah. Talking and, and every, uh, yeah, got, yeah running exactly it, yeah. having a chat and, you know, talking mm. about stuff and, and playing. And, and that's what really got my name out there, you know, was mm. doing all, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, leading on to that whole thing of, when, we, when I was saying about going out for, for lunch with Slash that day, the, the sort of pinnacle of that whole thing of, uh, you know, it's sort of almost come full circle. We were sat there and I was talking to Dave Kushner and he was asking me about the Young Guitarist of the Year thing. He, he asked me how I got the Marshall gig. And I said, well, I won this thing called Young Guitarist of the Year. Mm. And he said, wow, you must be a real shredder and all that. I was like, no, not really. I sort of try and play more from the heart, make it more soulful, more melodic, you know, rather than all that. And Slash says, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at, you know. And I think, yeah, I know it is because I learned it all from you. Yeah. I didn't say that out loud inside. <laughs> my brain is just going, yep, because I learned it all from you, man. But, uh, you know, I just acknowledged it. It's like, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, you try and play it cool. <laughs> That's cool, man. Like, look, I just uh, mad respect for like, like I said, like uh, for, for me, just like seeing you what you're doing with your channel and then finding out that. It's it's like the the beast that's under the water, or you know, you see those covers on DVDs where it's like yeah. a, the tip is something, but underneath the water, it's like a beast. That's what that's what you are. You come across as to me. It's like you're Thanks, doing man. something that's you know contributing really positively to such a nasty landscape. Like YouTube is full of you know, and it's like yeah, of course, of um, course. you got to dig really deep to find good content on there. And I spend a yeah. lot of time digging, you know, because I don't I don't have television, yeah. I don't have Netflix. That stuff that spews out this crap to you and you end up watching something that you're just wasting time like oh my god i just went to sleep to that you know so yeah sure finding your I stuff try not and, to make you know, it you know hmm. I, I and and again it's i i don't really i really don't look back much you know i don't i don't ever want to have this mentality of well there was you know once i was sure, would have should have could have yeah yeah sure <laughs> yeah, no hmm. way you know, no this way, is yeah. my life where I'm at now. Never did yeah. I imagine that I wouldn't work for a year because of a global pandemic, as with every other sure. musician and actor and stuff in the world. You know, sure. but um, the the whole basis of doing doing the, the the lefty guitar channel thing, as I said, wasn't to put the focus on me. It was to put uh, make it about guitars, make it about Love having it. chats with people, and also not, uh, you know, I didn't want to proceed it with, um, hi everybody, don't you know who the f I am? Because yeah. there's a million. F 
people out there who don't know who I am, you know, and that's what I'm always very conscious of. But if I can yeah. try and do something and just do a bit of playing and have a bit of fun and a laugh and a joke, and with some of my own guitars that I've used that have done some travels with me, tell a bit of a story about how and when I've used them and how they've fared up, you know, that's really just, I just, I took a little a think about the format of, of what people props perhaps want to see from mm -hmm. a, a guitar demo. And that's why I put tracks together for everything I do. And I come up with a yep. little riff and then I'll build a track around it and then I'll record it with the camera rolling and, and that'll be it, that interspersed with a bit of chat. And um, there we well, go. It's quite yeah. rewarding too, isn't it? Like I, I do my Monday morning rants as a, a therapeutic thing for me. It's kind of like, it's it's the only sort of consistent thing that I do really, and it's on a Monday morning, so it, it tends to start my week off nicely because I've done something. Uh, I don't sure. feel bad about like oh f I did nothing today, and it's a bad yeah. way to start the week. So I do think that if you want to get good at something, you do have to have some reward and enjoyment from it. You know, I think in, so. In, in I order think you have to, to play to, to your play to your strengths as mm, well because. Mm. Ultimately, I was really racking my brain as to how I can just fill fill some time, um, yep. and I thought, you know what, it's got to be guitar. You know, it's it's going to yeah. have to be something guitar related, um, and with very limited access to stuff that everyone has at the moment. I thought, well, I'll just crack on. But the flip side of that was, I got in touch with loads of old contacts in the industry and said, look, this is what I'm doing. If you want to throw the... some guitars my way, man, do it. And yeah. and, and Fender yeah. were. Uh, you know, given their dues, they were straight on it. So they sent me like a bunch of Gretsch guitars and some Charvels and uh, Jackson. That's and, so cool, uh, man. You know, which is great I, because you know, that's, you, it becomes yeah. relevant then. You know, yeah, and you're making it happen as well. Like you, you're, you're the go-getter, the initiator. Like it's almost like back where, where we started again. It's like I didn't just like your video and close the window. I thought I'd send you a message. You know, I think like yeah. it's it's a good lesson for people to to you know. Be a go-getter rather than just uh, being lazy, I suppose. I think so. It's very easy to do. You know, I could have not done it because essentially mm. there's been zero financial gain from it. I knew there wouldn't be. That wasn't the plan. I'm not going right. in this to make money. I'm I'm simply going into this that while everything's at a standstill and I have some time mm. and mm. I have some guitars and I have a very small, you know, bit of talent and a very even smaller bit of knowledge, you know, trying to get, trying to get that, uh, trying to use that the best I can. But also there's something in the back of my mind, the slightly vindictive part perhaps that thinks, like you were saying earlier, you watch some guys who have really got, you know, amazing following and, mm. you know, this reputation, kind of not that great of players. And mm. they've kind of even, and I'm not, that's not to sound bad mouthing them, but even more so, they've not really been in the circus and done it. You know what I mean? But they're, but they're not giving either. This is the thing. They're not, like, I feel like a lot of people who, um have the biggest potential to inspire don't yeah. use their 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 power and reach and strength to give something just just a little just give something that um people can walk away with and um actually use in their lives and i think it's such a shame like it, it's almost gotten me so mad that i sometimes leave comments about their clickbaity sure. titles because I'm like, well, yeah. do you really, you know, and I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to be that guy that is all of a sudden le leaving negative comments. I, I try to be yeah. as constructive as possible, but... um, But that's what I don't understand mm. about the, you know, the reputable people who 
let's mm. say they are, you know, they're, I, I assume they're making money out of it. I assume mm-hmm. they're doing very oh, absolutely. well. Absolutely. That's become yeah. their thing. Why do they feel the need to do the clickbaity mm. thing? Because essentially they could be now setting a precedent saying, in fact, you know, you don't need to be clickbaity. Well, it's money. I think it's money. Like, I I hate to be negative about money, but uh, it's another topic altogether. But I do think it's money. I don't think if if money was not involved in it whatsoever, I I think they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, and you're probably right. I think it's money related. Yeah, and unfortunately, Mm. it has the trickle-down effect to then, like we were saying earlier, everyone who starts a YouTube channel thinks that's the way they've got to be. Whereas essentially, Mm. if you're, Mm. again you know, com- comfortable in your own skin. You don't make it honest. No. I, listen, I don't care if I, if this time next year, I don't care if I've got 10 more subscribers than I already yeah, exactly. have and 10 more views. Exactly. Uh, because it's, yeah. it's there forever. I know people like yeah. you will watch it and enjoy it. It's not yeah. certainly a thing of, of, of ego or saying, look how great I am. It's about mm. uh, trying to make it varied, incorporate different styles, really get the most out of guitars that you can. And, and at the same time, like I said, on the flip side, having a chat with the people who have been there, you know, the guy who was yeah. Robbie Williams guitarist, the guy yeah. who uh, played bass with James Blunt for years, the guy who does the session. It's like the session, Disney. the session musos, man. Like I think it you is. Know, and that's, like, yeah. yeah, that's, and that, yeah. I mean, that whole thing is a bit iffy as well when you get into it, when you start going, you know, as I've done for the last several years doing um, musical theater and that sort of more session based thing, everyone then becomes a session guitarist, which again, I'm very, very dubious about even calling myself that because i've got a friend who is the session guitarist who does all the main london sessions like i say for disney and for the movies Mm. and stuff like that i'm not him so i don't know why i'd start calling myself a session guitarist because he's a session guy but then everyone's a everyone's a do, I, you touched on it for a second, but I, I did want to just touch on this as like to wrap up where your website was at. But your CV talked about uh, doing musicals, and I think, like I think musicals, the high school me would have thought it was really naff, right? But right. in high school, you heard about session guitarists, and like you said back in the day, you there was so much respect being thrown around, and you respected anyone who was a guitar player, and you if someone was a session player, session guitarist, you looked up to them because like holy. F- you could play with the stuff that my mum listens to. You could play with sure. Tina Turner. You could play with Michael Jackson. Yeah. And like, so yeah. as a guitarist, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that guy in the band, you know? Not, yeah, not, of course. not just the singer, right? So, but whereas now it's kind of like, if you're a session guitarist, it's almost like you're nobody to the the trendy kids, you know? They're, they're, they, yeah. they only want to know the singer or, or even singers in bands end up splitting off to their own record label and doing their own albums and... Um, musicals though I find have turned a corner and they've become really cool well it's a funny one because I think it's more of a safe bet in terms of the work that you can get and the elongated amount of work you can get where there's no there's no money left in the in the in the sort of record industry anymore excuse me I'm just going to close this one sure um, yeah, you're, you're the, right. You're right. Okay. So it's a, it's a gig thing, was, thing. It's a gig thing. Yeah, it's more of having, you know, the opportunity to to sort of make your work more varied. For me, what it was, was that I'd had, let's say, 20 years as well as doing the martial thing, various bands and, and other things that I'd done. Um, I could always play what I want, you know, but in doing the musicals, it, you have to go in and play it to the note as per the pad. Yeah. And it is the most disciplined gig you'll ever do and as a depth which is where you go in and you cover for someone you don't get any rehearsal so it is essentially terrifying but it's that terrifying uh 
nature of things that really keeps me ticking. Like I really love to have a challenge and you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, and yeah. uh, you, you, you're diving outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Knowing that if you do this and people be, yeah, he's a rock guy. I'm not sure, you know, and you go in and you absolutely nail it and you think, how I've got it. I can do this. That's cool. You know, it, it reignites. It's, it's, so it's like a mark in a wall thing for you or a feather in your cap kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think like so. A- but from that, you know, you then go on to get a bit of a reputation and get more gigs and do more shows. And, and right. you know, of course, they've been hit incredibly hard and, uh, through all of this. But um, mm. when it gets going again, you know, there's, a, again, this whole huge network of musicians in London that do all the shows and stuff like they, that. They are incredible, getting going again, though, guys too, aren't they? You know. they, they yeah, they're, I mean, they're starting to happen opening, again. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's probably going to be uh, August, September time uh, mm. before they're properly up and running here in the UK. But uh, some of them have opened social distance, but not not that many. But I got a friend of mine, uh, he was uh, in design school with me, but he was always, he's such a loud character. And he ended up um, getting involved as a singer in musicals. And he does that. He does Priscilla and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, um, it's been really tough for him, man, the last couple of years. But he's just... He's he's just got a gig doing Priscilla again, so it looks like it's happening again, and yeah, he's I mean, he's in, in in England somewhere, he's in London somewhere, he's in Europe oh, okay. somewhere. Right, so, right. so it sounds yeah. like it's it's starting to happen again. It is, which, which would is be nice, be. you know. Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it's you know, it's been so long now. We can all wait a couple couple of more months, you know, to to get things moving again. But um, yeah, like I said, it's more the. It's probably a strange one. I mean, I, I speak to a lot of younger guys now who are, you know, they've gone the the whole thing of, of uni and studied music and got their degree and they just want to get straight into musical theory. And it's just like, come on, man, wow, save that yeah. for later. Go and have some fun first, you know. Yeah, and jump in go, the bus, go and rock go and, out. Yeah, yeah, go and do a, a crap load of gigs. Go and do some great gigs. Go and do everything in between that we've all done and then sort of settle into this a bit later on. Because that was, you know, yeah. I, 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 there's no way I would have been interested in doing it in my 20s. You know, because I was out, exactly. I'll, I'll that's that's kind of that's day. what I was curious about. You know, <laughs> like I, I was curious about it because it's like, I, like as a as a graphic designer, I never was interested in going to become a teacher. I thought that you know, I will go out and you know try to make millions and whatever. And then towards the end of my design career, at some point, I did go and teach, and I looked at it as giving back. Like, I think maybe, yeah. do you look at musicals as almost like, well, it's a different beast altogether, but you know you can do it. It's a challenge, but you know it's completely different to yes. rocking out, oh, God, yeah. improvising and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, you have to be, like, I have a responsibility now with these students. I can't just, you know, that's that's the one that I want to teach and these guys have no hope. I'm not going to, you have to focus on the no hopes more than the... Yeah, people exactly. who who've got it, you know. So it's like it's a it's a real job, but um, it's highly rewarding too, isn't it? As kind of like it, I don't know, yeah, kind of look is. at musicals might be like that, like a yeah, and and also you know it really doesn't matter what your reputation is before or who you are or where you've been or who you've played with or no matter how right. many times you know you've done whatever, you mm. go in and you're judged on that show that you play. You know, you're only as good yeah. as the last show you play in terms of that, and it keeps you. I think personally, it keeps you really sharp up here. Because it sounds like you have to be. Uh, you do, and you have to be on all yeah. the time. You know, what I mean, and there's a lot of people involved too. <clears throat> like, I, I mean, you know, and you're not the focal point. That was the other thing for mm, me. I think perhaps mm, I've become, perhaps mm. I have become. I think in the last ten years or so, particularly the last five years, I think I have become more reclusive um, in terms of playing because I think now could I, 
could I do some of those martial clinics that I used to do and stand on that stage with some backing tracks or just a small band and do it and be the focal point? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've done so You're many. You're rocking out, man. I, I, saw a, I saw like a slash tribute thing that you did on Anderton's and like you were just like, you did a medley of oh, that's right. Guns and Roses that. shit. And I'm just watching it go. That was a long time ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like I remember the just, confidence uh, and the, you were like telling the PA guy to adjust this and that and like... A, man like yeah. you just uh you were in it i just i think anything <laughs> anything you've done makes you a better a, a better and more rounded musician you know what i mean it's uh it's as simple as that you have all these things and you it just it gives you the confidence to go on to the next thing i think it's as simple as that all right dude i'm i'm driving here i'm gonna move on to the next topic okay. um so i've seen a few of your videos you've got these sort of select few guitars behind you but it's completely deceiving because obviously you have a ton more hidden away somewhere else I so um i saw um uh, I, I went down the rabbit hole with youtube and found a whole lot of gibson related videos i found that whole play authentic disgusting marketing thing that they did and the whole they almost mm. went down and they almost lost everything and someone had to mm. buy them out and people talking about like videos on youtube people unpacking their brand new les pauls and finding all these quality control issues with them and i, I, I right. just went down the rabbit hole found all of that right and then um i found a more recent video where they did a survey and they found that the average guitar player and i wouldn't call you average because i'd say you're you're a working musician but okay. they, they, they're saying the survey says the average guitar player has eight guitars which eight. yeah that really surprised me because eight's a lot like sure. th they're saying that not not the professional guitarist the average guitarist has eight that's quite a lot for yeah for your for your average guy yeah yeah i freaked out and then um i did a li little bit more digging and uh phil mcknight who has a shop and youtube channel that has a ton of followers he did a survey on his channel and his res result was 12 most of his YouTube fans or his fans in general have 12 guitars. So how many do you have? <laughs> I bet you, you don't even know. Hey, I have to start by saying I had to sell a load last year because just yeah. to, because I, I needed to raise some finances because of, yeah, fair call. I, yeah, I, I don't want to go into the COVID thing because I know it's, yeah. it's a, it's a down on everybody, but we were about to move house uh we you know we were just on the brink of moving house and we'd found a house and the offer got accepted we were just about to put everything through and all my work got count we had to pull out the house move mm. so um savage and then it, it went from you know from that to we've got a you know thankfully my wife works and she's worked through all of this but you know i needed to raise some cash and uh, i had to sell quite a few guitars and i well, what's a few reverb. like 10 20 no it was literally i think five or I think maybe five or six. Okay, that's not so that bad. I, to answer your question, though, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say so with the, it's probably about 35, 40, yeah. somewhere in that region. Now, they, they, I know you what have, you're thinking. I don't well, need them all. Well, it's not that. It's like, obviously, some of them live in cases, right? Like, you yes. don't have oh, them God, all yeah, out. Yeah. And, yeah. I, yeah, I have I have these, which are, generally the ones i use for recording you know like i've got uh still strong acoustic nylon strong acoustic i've got a nice uh actually new gretch that i bought they sent me and i liked it so much i bought it i've got 
Uh, my yeah, old Ibanez, which I did a video on, which I've kept down here. I've got a bass that I use for recording the tracks and a 12 string. So they're my go-tos for, for when I'm here recording and stuff like they're that. They're the workhorses. Exactly. And uh, right. then up in the house, I've got probably another uh, half a dozen on walls in various places and then the rest are all in cases uh, you, you know away. what trips me out the most is that they're all lefties like oh my god yes like like um i, I saw that video of you doing that uh with the with the les paul and you you said what every lefty already knows which is uh that experience of going into an amazing guitar shop which has like thousands of beautiful instruments and you know in in the corner are like three or four dusty couple of dusty ones yeah. yeah and you mentioned that and it's like holy f it's never been any different like that for me like that's the sad thing about it now is like you buy online and then you as soon as you unbox something that whole unboxing experience is so unromantic it's nothing like going yeah. into a guitar shop and getting a hard case it's a cardboard box and there's yeah, plastic exactly. and there's an elastic yeah. band and it's a sticky tape and there's styrofoam over the knobs and um and the neck as soon as you touch the neck you're like oh i don't like it this neck's sure. too fat and it's like you would have known that within seconds if you were of in course. the guitar shop and that's it. There's nothing beats the whole thing of seeing it on the wall, especially as a lefty, because you'll be scanning across. Then you'll see one that's a lefty and you think, oh, hang on. Then you'll go out to it and it's actually something decent. And then you'll pick it up and then you'll feel the neck and you'll think, ah, you know. <laughs> and then, and then they're like, well, if you want, we can get you anything you want. You just need to yeah. order it in. It's funny so. what you were saying about Gibson, though. In the, you know, uh, yeah, of course, there was that the, the, the mm. video that I did. I've, I've got a few Les Pauls, but that one on my Sunburst one, which is from 2010. There's always this mm. thing of, you know, Gibson's good years and they're not so good years but you know th this is the other thing of being left-handed is that we don't really get that much of a choice you know in the good years or the not so good years we're only really getting what is currently available and I know they do do on special order that I think Gibson one of the better ones particularly now they've sort of uh changed hands and they seem to try and be putting it seems really that. good now yeah. yeah yeah I think so and I think I, it's a good time to buy a Gibson now I think so. And I've, you know, I've, I've uh, reached out to a couple of people actually to try and uh, let me borrow a, like one of the new uh, sort of uh, equivalent of the standards, you know, to see how they compare because yep. there's nothing, there's literally 2000, my, that sunburst, let's suppose 2010. And I, I don't really have many other years just before that or just after it Gibson wise to compare it to. All I know is that it's great. It sounds great. I've uh, never been a huge fan of Gibson pickups, so I swapped them out, and it sounds it's, mm. a, it's a brilliant guitar, you know. So I don't know, this whole cork-sniffing thing of the good years and bad years of, of Gibson is a bit of a strange one, but I guess right-handed people know a lot more about it because they have so much more choice. Dude, I also think that people are complaining about that is nothing. Like, I I prefer to think of it as it's a, it's a, it's a block of wood, and it's made by hand not by a robot so yes. i think that when i watch a guitar channel and they're like checking out and they're unboxing it's a guitar and they're checking the intonation going mm, the intonation's out i'm like well that's only going to take you a minute to adjust right, like right. bro what like what's the big deal yeah. oh it's, it's oh, like there's, getting there's, a brand new car you know it's like getting a brand new car and saying well i've got to move the seat you know <laughs> it, honestly i think the nitpicking is next level these days it's like oh, crazy. Oh, crazy. Oh, oh the 17th fret is a it's a little bit sharp here i'm like well I, I have files and i have 
you know, if or or I'm buying like a two hundred dollar guitar and like it's got a high fret, I'm not gonna freak out. It's a two hundred dollar guitar. Like, okay, maybe if I'm buying a five thousand dollar guitar, I wouldn't want it to have a high fret. Fair sure. enough. But if the intonation's out or um, there's a little bit of imperfection on like some of the the, the binding or something, I'm like, well, f- it's made by hand. It's like a uh, there's something romantic about that, like a human made it. Yeah, know? absolutely. And, um, I, know, I think it's just gotten sort. to a point now where people are after perfection, and uh, yeah, no, do I you, think, don't yeah. you think there's this whole thing? The biggest bugbear I have, again, which sort of is reflected in a lot of YouTube, is the the search, the players search for the for like the holy grail of tone that essentially isn't there, right, and yeah. that they're always just yeah. searching for for a sound or an effects pedal or something that just isn't there. And I, and I don't know if that comes from me again, having sort of been, been dropped into the ocean of playing a load of different martial amps and, and, mm-hmm. and just getting on with it. And I'm not just talking about the big bow ones. I'm talking about even when it was the solid state ones, but you essentially, you just got to do your best to try and make them sound good, which I was never really, I certainly don't mean it's an egotistical way. I was never really trying because it was all there. I had a, I had a guitar, and I had, a, had a, a amp, and that's how it sounded. You know what I mean? But, but you've got you've got your ears. That's the difference. Like I think a lot of people who haven't developed their ears yet will still watch a review. It's almost like I, I play computer games. It's the same. Someone will someone will follow a YouTube channel that has the most likes, and they'll watch a games review. If that games reviewer shits on the game, they won't buy it. And yeah, of course. If they like the game, they'll go and buy it. So if a if a reviewer has a lot of um or a big audience, and they say buy the boss katana it's all over valve amps it's amazing it's 400 bucks go and buy it and everyone will go and buy it and then people that buy it will chime in on the comments and say i have a boss katana it's amazing and it's this chinese whispers thing that goes yeah which is ridiculous because i you know i i would have i would have opinions on something that would be completely different to yours and vice versa yeah and that's that's the way it is Mm. There is no ultimate tone to be had because everyone's no. concept of tone is completely different. I know that mine is, and I know that when I'm, I've been recording this stuff, uh, people have been really nice saying how great they all sound, but it's literally just my line six helix with some Michael yep. Britt profiles, which make it, they do sound amazing. And yep. there's about eight, eight sounds in there, which I use for gigs for various stuff. And mm-hmm. that's, they're just variations of that, that I use on everything there. I look, I don't sit down every time I do one of these guitar videos. I don't sit down and sit in there tweaking sounds for hours on end. I literally plug the guitar in, go through kind of one of those eight patches, maybe some of the older presets that I've got, Hmm. find a riff, work it out, lay it down with a click, and that's it. You know, it's otherwise, you, I, I probably would have produced about two or three videos so far rather than the 16 or 17 guitar videos I've done. That's it. Because it would just take so much time. You know, but there are the knob twiddlers and the, and the guys out there, that's what they're really into is like always buying gear and always buying that gear and then selling it yeah. a few months later because it wasn't what they wanted and all that. You know, it's like, dude, as a photographer, on, I'm the same, man. Like some people just, they haven't gone to design school to even learn how to compose a shot and get the framing right. They're too yeah. busy buying the latest lenses and the latest $5,000 camera bodies with the more resolution and stuff, but they still can't take a good photo because they haven't learned how to yeah. frame. So That's I it. think guitar playing is is really similar to that. Like I, um, I turned forty six this month, so I finally treated myself to buying an American Fender Strat. I've never had nice. a made in USA. I've always had Squires, and I've got a ton of Squires. And um, 
one of the squires I bought in 96 or 97, something like that. It's like a Korean made one back then. When I bought the American one and the first time I actually unboxed it, it was an amazing unboxing. Like the case was sexy and the guitar smelled great and everything. It felt great. But then when I picked up the Korean one, it's like that sentimental thing that we were talking about earlier. It's yeah. kind of like, well, holy f- this guitar's got a thinner neck. And you can't, no matter how nice the Fender is or how expensive it is, the neck on it is different because I like the thinner neck on the Korean Squire. So it's funny how you can't just say this guitar is better than that or now that I have the real deal, part of it is I'm just happy that I finally have it. Part of Of it is like, oh my God, I finally have that Ferrari and I'm not going to drive this to do the groceries, but... I own it. It's mine. I earned it. Yeah, that's right. And, and, uh, and you become so, so used to, like, it was the no different from a, you know, I, the years in my teenage years, I played an Epiphone Les Paul. And mm-hmm. in fact, when I first started doing the Marshall shows, I was using that Epiphone Les Paul, which I, I changed one of the pickups out to a Seymour Duncan. And it was a great show of these amps sound great with a, with a low cost guitar. But when I first got my, when I got my first Gibson, which I probably would have been in my late teens, it was a pretty monumental moment because I finally owned Would have a Gibson. Been, yeah. mm. But did I it play better than your quite, iPhone? No, it didn't. I really yeah. uh, uh, originally because I was so used. I wore my yeah. frets down so much on that iPhone, yeah. and yeah. I was so used to that. Yes. When I got the Gibson, I was like, the neck was much wider, and I was like, wow, this is a lot harder to play. So it, yeah, it was like a period of adjustment after that. Yeah. But I didn't care because I owned a Gibson. You know. What I yes. Mean? Like the way I see it is like I probably just need to play the out of the the american made and it'll get there you know and like also it's, don't it, it, don't you know. try and compare it just take it at face mm, value you know exactly it gets a i think that's it too i think that's it whether too, you know right? and and also don't think about the the connection between the whole fender fender squire whatever just treat it as if it was a completely different brand of guitar how does it feel how does it play you know that's one of those, i think that's it? what it is i think it's so too too many years of hype in my own head and yes like it's you know even the sound that I can get out of my Korean Squire just sounds so much more that Fender neck pickup bluesy tone, and the new pickups are this I don't know some Fandangle technology some V mod I don't know what they are but they're a lot louder and right. uh, they don't have that you know I I even started slamming the pickups down to the pick guard and decking them and trying to make it a lot like my square i'm like stop 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 just yeah sure yeah. Don't, don't don't try to emulate something that you're so used to that you've been playing for like 20 years and yeah just exactly. enjoy this thing yeah you're, you're bang on um i just wanted to also lefty to lefty something that i'm seeing a lot of people doing online is they buy left-handed guitars and they flip them upside down, mm. Jimi Hendrix style. What are, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever tried it? <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Isn't the it? leads, the leads in the way, the knobs yeah. are. You can't Especially strum with without hitting a knob. Oh, with I a honestly strat, don't know how he did it because it's the most yeah. uncomfortable thing. Oh, he's um, unreal. You've got the cut away. You can't get up the neck because Ooh. of the way it's cut away. Uh, you've got obviously on yeah. a Fender. You've got the 
You've then got the cable coming right out the front. You've got the knobs right there. And you've got the body, the body cut. The belly cut is completely of course. on the side too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there is no need this day and age for people to be trying it. What has become really apparent, though, uh, since I've been doing these videos and, and through the comments that I've had, is mm. the sheer amount of people who are left-handed but took it up right-handed because of the availability oh, of guitars. Oh, that's horrible. It's cra- Honestly, it's crazy. That's I even horrible. had a guy the other day who said he played right-handed for years and then he's naturally left-handed, took up right-handed, and after about 10 years started playing left-handed again. You know, and it's just, it's so what a crazy. Waste of time. Yeah, it's weird, I mean, isn't look, it? Look, but the Asian culture, like when I, when I was young, my dad used to threaten me to go to right-handed school. Yep. So, yep. And, and, I, and I think um, there were some English books that I dug up uh, through Google search that were like, curing left-handedness and stuff back in the day there was it was the same for my nan who she passed away in october last year but she was she was 90 uh she was 95 96 um but when she's the only other person in the family who was left-handed other than me right and she always used to tell me when she was at school she would literally get caned into using her right hand because it was just the the mentality of it all weird isn't it it is crazy i mean i I think it it's connected for me anyway it's connected to the left brain right brain artist thing and i think a lot of artists are left-handed um a lot of a lot of um left-handed people have messy writing not because of the smudging but just because it's messy i don't know what it is (laughs) but a lot of is your writing messy because my mind's pretty yeah it's not the neatest at all (laughs) (laughs) oh dude all right well um look i'm gonna wrap it up soon because i think we've been yapping for quite some time um, cool, thanks, man. thanks for your time again, man. But um, maybe just um, I did want to get into the whole being a father and three kids, but I think we'll skip that because it's like it, that's just a personal fascination of mine. Like I always respect, you know, the dude who's uh, in the Uber driving me home or taxi driving me home at four in the morning from a big night out, and he's working his ass off driving me yeah. home because he's trying to feed the kids, right? So I have this yeah, huge man. respect. It's just. Yeah, your perspective is, you know, becomes completely different when you have kids. And, you know, Mm. we're not newcomers to it by any means. In fact, today, as I speak to you, Mm. our daughter is doing her last day of high school uh, because she's she's finished. She's doing her last assessment. The big stressful exams and. Well, they, yeah, because of all that's been going on, they changed it all around, but they've been moving the goalposts left, right and centre. But essentially, they replaced it with a whole load of assessments, which I think works better, but it's been more elongated. So she's uh she's about to turn 16 and uh you know that's crazy in itself because you know i always remember her being tiny and uh, you know a lot of my friends when i tell them that she's finishing school they just can't believe it you know just like we've got two boys uh we've got two boys who are 11 and 10 and um yeah man it's all about them you know really uh you just uh you still want to be the provider regardless of what you do I've, i've the thing i've established is uh when you when obviously when i am working you know the kids they don't really care what you do. They just, if you're away, they, they don't know why you're away, you know, or they do, but they don't care. They just want you at home, but they've had me at home for a long time in the last year or so. so. Yeah. 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 No, good. <laughs> good no, on you for good. like, good on you for not being like, um, you know, the, the flip side of that is like, I do have a lot of mates. Like, well, I suppose when you, you know, like my mom, she's in her seventies. So a lot of her mates are like dying around her, you know, and I think it's just, that's a life thing, you know, like now that I'm 46, a whole lot of my mates are divorcing and they've got children. Sure. And, and it's, it's just that level, you know, you, you go through life, you go through different levels and then um, the people that are the same age as you, 
you just start to see some patterns appear, you know, and you do. Uh, and, but the, the strange thing is that, you know, we have friends who are still having babies, you know, yeah. friend, particularly in the last year who have, who are just going through that and just perhaps having the, their, their first or second. And that was 10 years ago for us since we had a, our last one, you know, right. and I, you know, I just try and say to him, it, it really does get easier because those days of the sleepless nights and and, yes, and just yeah. being feeling like a zombie during the day through lack of sleep, particularly when you've got three young ones, that's, that's long gone for us. You know, we, we get yeah. out of bed usually after the kids these days or up before them, you know, uh, and they're sleeping in or whatever. And the only thing I'd say to them is it, it gets easier. It really but, does. But, but, but also just like the fact that you're still very much a passionate person, very much doing stuff, I think that's where, you know, you, you, I can't, I can't pigeonhole everybody that where it's gone wrong. But when people tell me that, oh, they wish they hadn't gotten lazy because that's probably what really started going wrong in the first place was when they got lazy with with sure. with stuff. And I think when you when you drop your passions, you um, you you know, you're susceptible to getting lazy and next thing you know you lose your drive and next thing you know yes. you become a bad father maybe you know uh, because you haven't got a spark in you you haven't got something that makes you happy yeah so, I, I, um, I guess so maybe uh and there's also just no room for laziness anyway when you become a parent that you know that right 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 because then you're a bad in, bad parent exactly yeah and exactly. i think you're always just feeling that you want to be able to do your best for them whatever that is you know and um you gotta yeah. have drive, right? You gotta like what yes. you're doing with the YouTube channel and everything. It's like that takes initiative and drive, and you know it takes all of that doubt comes into your head. Whether f- is this even worth it? Is anyone <laughs> even gonna check this out? Are right, people gonna, you, go. hey, you know, and you need to have that, right? Like you need to of have, course. you need to then, go through that. Absolutely, and you've got to mm. think, uh, you know, how is this gonna go? Am I gonna get uh, two mm. video, two views? uh on each video mm, uh mm. and in in the early days because again um you know my name isn't sort of initially connected to it you know i'm sort of behind the cover of of the of the, this whole lefty guitar channel thing but i thought how you know how long is it going to be until the first person says that he hates me uh or, or says that i'm uh you know how long is it going to be until people start disliking videos again there's a certain essence of me that doesn't really care but bizarrely, yeah. yeah, I've still not had anyone say anything negative, which I really don't mind if they do, because like I say, I'm comfortable with my own skin. And exactly, this is yeah. what I do, you know. Exactly, And no yeah. one's yet disliked it, but there will be a day. But again, it comes down to, I, I couldn't really give two shits, you know. I like it, man. Look, I don't even think I need to ask you, you know, your typical um, what's ahead for you and what are you... Because I, I, think, I think you're doing what you're doing because... Um, there was a gap for it and yeah. you're filling that gap and yes. where it takes you wherever. But, you know, I, I, generally speaking, like I really hope that you start gigging again and, and you get out there because yes. I think that's where you're happiest. And uh, I think so. You know. And um, yeah, who knows? Uh, but for the time being, I know that I'm kind of happy doing this and it's, it's kept me busy. Ultimately, I just wanted something to do and it's been a lot of fun and i've i've met and been in touch with a lot of people that had i not done it i would never have been in touch with like you now like with patrick like with various other people that you know have been in touch and um yeah it's been really nice you know awesome man well chris thanks for your time man um hang on the line right i'll i'll say say goodbye in a second but um 
Guys, I will leave all of Chris's links in the description. Make sure you check him out. I'll leave uh, links to the channel and check out his website too because I, I do think it's, a, it's an awesome, just an awesome five minutes that you spend there. And if you read through stuff, you won't even realize you're reading it, honestly. Like, I think it's really cool. Um, and, you know, I think you're on Instagram. You're not on Facebook. Props to you, man. Yeah, no, Props to you. You're on not Facebook. on the no Zuckerberg for you, but um, congratulations yep. there. But um, I'll leave all the links in there. Thanks so much, Chris. And guys, if you made it this long in the uh, podcast, congratulations to you guys because uh, I hope you got some gold out of that. All right, Thanks, catch babe. you guys in the next one.